Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show to bring you actionable tips and ideas for your business to help you survive and thrive in the turbulent times ahead. We always do this with interesting guests. Today will be no exception, but first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you all very much for tuning into our show. And today we have the great privilege of welcoming Cash Miller. He is the CEO of Titan Titan Digital. This is a company that specializes in all of your marketing needs from logo and website design to full marketing strategy. Let's dive right into this. Cash, what is the biggest mistake that small to medium-sized businesses make in creating content in line with their marketing strategies? Um, Honestly, the biggest mistake that you're typically going to see for small and medium businesses is due to the resources, you know, staff and whatnot, it's consistency. Yeah. Uh A lot of people on the publishing side, when they're trying to do that, they're building up a content strategy. Mm -hmm. They have a problem of, they give up. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you they create some posts. They think that that's going to be you know the um, what gets them over the top. Then they don't see the traction that they were expecting and such, and then they stop. You know, or they're inconsistent about their publishing and such. You know, whether it's on social media, whether you know blog posts and things, they have to have consistency. And you know, they want to develop a um, like a tone of voice for what they're doing, you know, so, you know, cause you're going to build an audience, but that takes time. And a lot of companies, they think it's like, Hey, I'm going to do this and I'll be able to get right at it. And then nothing ends up happening. You know, in which case they give up. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to take that on, you know, and say, we're going to make this a real part of our business, they have to understand that, you know, really do their research and what it's going to take. You know, audiences, you know, you would know you're built, you know, you've built an audience. It does not happen overnight. No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. And and you're right. It's hard. I mean, we're on your number 243 episodes and uh, that's taken us three years. And uh, we read statistics the other day that something like 80 percent of podcasts fail with under 10 episodes. Right. So. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same with blogging. I've been blogging for 10, 12 years and. Uh, I haven't always done one post every week. That's my aim. But wow, it, it, it's hard to keep that up. But you've got to do it if you want an audience. So you're absolutely and, right. Thanks. Thanks for that. And I think part of that as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, Cash, but people might start into a, a specific campaign or a specific strategy and then get demotivated because they're not seeing instant results. And then they're off to the to the other thing where they should have stuck with the first thing and just just persevered. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but... Well, no, that's exactly... That's totally correct. You know, mm-hmm. when content marketing itself came along, it was kind of, you know, marketed itself. You know, mm-hmm. companies like HubSpot and stuff, it was the end-all, be-all. You know, mm-hmm. it was suddenly the thing that was going to be for everybody and it would get you over the top and they made a big deal out of it. And now it's been around for a lot of years. But a lot of people have failed at it because, you know, they can't stick to it. It is time intensive, you know, yep. to write a blog, to do a so, you know, a bunch of social media posts and stuff and to get them out on all the different platforms and whatnot. It is a true, you know, commitment and it's an investment of time and money for that matter, whether you're because if you're going to have somebody else do it for you, you're going to do it yourself. Something's, you know, somebody has to produce all this content. And also, depending on what you do, how do you make it interesting, you know, over yes. a long period of time? 
Yeah. Burnout in content marketing is very, a very real thing because it's like, you know, the longer you go and if you're not seeing the true results that you want, you know, and good content takes time. Mm -hmm. So it does indeed. It's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's uh, let's ask you about a little bit more about yourself. Uh, you were recently named your company one of the fastest growing companies in the USA. So I bet there's a bit of consistency responsible for that, isn't there? Um, in a way, yes, but in a lot of, in a lot of ways, like I like to. They have the axiom of like you know ten an overnight success, ten years in the making. You think yep. of some of the big companies and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's been you know a bit of trial and error along the way to see like what's working i've always been willing to um, experiment with different ideas and such that might push us further along so we're seeing that you know the success and the growth from some of our more recent things that we've been able to do and you know that's what got us on you know on the list to begin with you know for uh the 2022 list and such you know because of that constant you know uh, working through the issues, running digital marketing, yeah. running this type of business, a digital marketing agency is not an easy thing. There's just so much that's always going on in the space. And, you know, some of it's going to apply and be usable and some of it's not. So, but you always have to kind of know everything that's going on, yeah. you know, and then it's you know, people you find and such that can help you grow. Right. Yeah. Well, tell us about the services you provide. We're, we're a full service agency. So um, a lot of agencies will specialize in different things, but we, we build a lot of websites. You know, we've got over uh, like 600 clients that we manage their websites. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of, you know, a lot of small businesses, some larger names and such that are in there. And so we've always had a, uh, a core service there, but then we also are full service on the digital side, you know, so we do, you know, SEO and we're doing social media and stuff. We've gotten um, a lot into programmatic advertising, which is a, a really interesting field that for a long time was only available for like really large agencies mm-hmm. and large brands. And it's become more open for uh, small and medium sized businesses to be able to take advantage of it. So we've been, you know, working in that space a great deal, you know, running video, uh, audio, uh, HTML5 ads and stuff, the stuff that you see that's, you know, all over the Internet. You know, you go to a site and you're getting hit with different types of ads. They can be highly targeted. You know, mm-hmm. so running those kinds of ads that can really define, you know, you can put a refined audience together. So mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. really gotten in, into that a lot. Does, um, okay. has, has AI helped you at all? Yes. Um, the invention of chat GPT for, from an agency standpoint is like one of the best things ever. Yeah. Especially when we talk about content mm-hmm. and what you can do, Google's put out that they don't care how you create the content. You know, they're not going to penalize it or anything like that. And that for us as an agency is very important um, because we have, as an agency, we're embracing it across the board. We're finding out every which way it can help us do our jobs better and more efficiently. Yeah. And take stress off the staff and such as we're doing it. So, yeah, it's it can write you blog posts. It can write you social media stuff. It can write you a whole website. You the trick with all of that stuff is it's the input you know, mm-hmm. that you give it. If you can't give it the right instructions, then it's not going to give you the right output. And so you still need trained people that really know what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to make that happen. You know, right. anybody can use something like chat, but how effective it is, you know, like I say, it's, there, it's been all in the news and stuff that it's like, hey, it can code you an entire website. That's great. But if you don't know what to do with the code, it doesn't really matter. 
right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very important. Wow. So uh, go on a slightly different track. You, you were a military man before you went into business. So how did you make the transition from a military background? I'm sure many of our audience are probably faced with similar questions and decisions. How did you do that transition back into running a business? Well, for me, um, I started learning SEO. That's like where my background mm -hmm. began for doing what I do now. But um, I was in the military multiple times in the U.S. Army. And the second time, you know, I'd run a business. I went back in the military. It's like I was never going to run a business again. And, but then I got the itch like really fast. Like I'd been burned out and stuff. But then it was like, okay, I need something to occupy my time. And I actually built, and this was like 2007, I built my own website. And it was like, I made it a small business like information site. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, I'll put on, I'm going to, I'll write the articles. I'll put everything on here. And it was accounting and marketing and management and stuff. And I'll share with everybody all my mistakes, you know, essentially, you know, but so I built a site and I wrote a ton of content and everything. And I said, how do I get anybody to actually look at this stuff? And so I started learning SEO um, and I started making contacts with, um, I decided I didn't want to write all the content because that was like really time consuming. So I started contacting business coaches, figuring, okay, well, these are experts in the, in the field. So let me, let me reach out to some of them. And I made a bunch of connections. They said, yes, you can publish our content and such. And, uh, some of them though, once they started realizing the traffic I was, you know, starting to get, they were like, Hey, could you help us out? I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're, you know, Hey, we'll pay you if you can help, you know, do the SEO stuff on our site. And it come about 2011. I'm like, um, I was actually in Afghanistan at the time. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, my enlistment was coming up and I'm like, so I can reenlist or maybe I can make this SEO thing a go, you know, and make a living at it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like totally self-taught nowadays. You can go get a, a, uh, you know, go, enroll in a university and they'll teach yep. you, you know, digital marketing and everything. But back then everything was, you know, oh, yeah. you learned by trial and error. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's, worked, it's worked out pretty good though. It sounds good. Good. Yeah. So what is one skill or discipline that you got from your military service that has benefited you in, in business leadership? Um. From a personal standpoint, I was when I was in the army, I was an NCO. So mm -hmm. you end up in charge of people. I was a sergeant, mm -hmm. and whatnot, and you end up in charge of people, and, and you get exposed to a lot of people and different personalities and stuff. The mm -hmm. the military, as you're a military man yourself, you know, yeah, it's it's a hodgepodge of people, you know, yeah, from all sure. sorts of different backgrounds and everything. Yep. And you know, we had. You know, because of that, you learn how to deal with a lot of people, a lot of stressful situations, and you learn how to make decisions quickly, you know, because mm -hmm. of the things that can happen. Yeah. So for me, one of my big takeaways was being able to adapt to situations, you know, and understand that, you know, things happen during the day and be relatable with people and kind of understand their own situations and such, mm -hmm. you know, the military um, you see good leadership, but you also see bad leadership, mm -hmm. uh, just because mm -hmm. of the nature of how the organization is built. Um, and so I tried to model myself after some of the good leaders that I had, you know, and take, you know, lessons from them and how they treated other people really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause the military can often, 
you get the opposite and they don't necessarily treat everybody great you know, right. because That's of right. the positions of authority. And so I would, you know, at times see what abuse looks like, but then I would see what good leadership looked like and say, I want to be that person because of the way they treat others, you right. know, and they're respected because of their own competent competency, skill and such, not just because they're in a position of power. Mm-hmm. 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 Very good. Very good. So what could you give our audience who are mainly entrepreneurs and small business owners, and and many of them would be ideal clients for you, what's one tip that you could give them that they could start implementing today to try and help them survive and and improve their business over the next couple of years, which look like they could be difficult for a lot of industries? Um, I'm a big big believer in uh, understanding other people's jobs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like if you bring on people like the best managers, they can step in regardless of the type of business. Like mm-hmm. I learned SEO. I'm not going to, if, if I had to, I can design a website. Okay. If I really had to, it's not going to be the best, but I understand their job. Well, mm-hmm. I understand what they do, you know, whether it's a developer, a designer, a content writer, you know, I understand what's possible. And because of that, I can make better educated decisions you know, on what needs to happen for the organization. So you have to understand, you don't just bring someone on and say, okay, this is your job and stuff. And you don't really know what they do. You know, if you're in a management position, if you're in an ownership position, you need to understand what other, you know, what everybody is actually doing to know if it's most effective. I have really good educated conversations with our clients because I know the different roles and what people are doing and such, and I can speak to it, you know, so I pay attention. I try to always interact with our staff as much as I can, because if I see what they're doing, I'm, I'm always learning. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been at this, mm-hmm. you know, like 13, you know, I've been actually doing, you know, this kind of marketing and stuff for almost 15 years now, personally. And I've worked with a lot of people over that time. And I try to absorb because there's always new stuff. You don't know everything. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That That is a very good point. Yeah. So Kirsten. when a company calls you up, Cash, what initial steps do you take with them? Um, typically, we're going to, you know, we need to understand that company. Mm-hmm. You know, we've worked with a lot of people in a lot of different fields, you know, from, you know, lawyers and mm-hmm. doctors and, you know, we have a lot of insurance agencies. Every company is different. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things has been uh, like manufacturing and stuff, because um, I have a little bit of a manufacturing background, you know, way in my past. And mm-hmm. um, so some of my favorite clients have been ones where I've been able to visit on site and see what they do. You know, I once visited a company that did ball bearings and they became a client and such. And they had equipment that was literally from World War II that had been yeah. used to manufacture tanks. Wow. Yeah, and they were still using it. And it was like, you know, so spending like the afternoon with them was just incredible. And seeing all this stuff that was still functional, that was, you know, 70 years old or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we want to understand the client and what makes them unique, you know, and especially those more um, interesting, like, Clients that are going to be in very unique industries, something mm-hmm. you don't see every day. But even the client, I say you could work with chiropractors and you could work with dozens of them and they're still going to be different in each of, you know, in multiple ways. You know, no two chiropractors are ever going to be exactly the same. So, you know, I think that's what you always have to start with is understand the client. Don't assume that just because you've worked with that type of client before that you're going to know everything, you know, about them right out the gate. You're just going to have a leg up 
in understanding them. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, I got to throw in a little anecdote. You just reminded me in a previous part of my life, I was living in South Africa and I was an export trader, exporting all sorts of stuff to countries to the north. And one of the things I exported was steel wire for making nails. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how they made nails. And then when I went to, it was then called Zaire, now DRC, there was machinery probably as old as the stuff your ball bearing manufacturer was using in a, in a dirty shed going damp, bang, 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 driven by a little gas engine. And it was a, a wheel type effort that cut the piece of wire and made a nail out of it, right? And this was old, 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 but but fascinating. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that old stuff is certainly fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah, in, so you deal with a huge range of clients. Um and size-wise from fairly small operations to big companies as well? Yeah, we've dealt with a lot of startups and stuff, but you know, one of our biggest clients is a hundred million dollar trucking company. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to help them recruit, you know, drivers and such and have been for years and such. So we're, you know, we've got a pretty um, substantial range. Yeah. You know, certain types of clients, the people that they want to attract, you know, the what they can, you know, um, is a qualified lead for them is going to be fairly similar. You know, mm-hmm. when we're trying to understand the client, we're trying to figure out how do we differentiate them from everybody else, you know, in right. that particular industry that wants that same type of, you know, person as a lead and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, but everybody, you know, a lot of businesses, you know, are really different. So we've dealt with a wide range of people, you know, over the years. I've got clients that are literally all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we try to understand is, you know, with while we offer a multitude of services, not every service is going to be right, you know, sure. for that client. It's not going to work. And if we try to uh, present them a plan with a service, you know, that's not going to work for them and we really know it, you know, like, or we're not confident about it is more so, you know, and we think it's, you know, it's 50-50 shot on whether it's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. Well, down the road, you're going to go in two or three months and then they're going to be like, okay, we're not seeing results from this. And you've got to answer for that. So we want to make sure what we're, the strategies we're coming up with are appropriate for that client and have the best chance of success. How how do you come up with a marketing strategy? Um, As you said, every business is so, is, can be so different. And that, I guess, from your standpoint would be the biggest challenge as well, because you have to first get to know them. Uh, what what they sell or the service that they offer, but also like how do you how do you go about determining a strategy for a company? Well, a lot of companies are going to be fairly similar in what they're looking for. You know, if you're a lawyer, you want somebody. You may be a bankruptcy lawyer, so you need mm-hmm. some people that are you know need to help with bankruptcy. And if you're a landscaper, you might need somebody that you know you're looking for the homeowner. You know, somebody that's going to want to do that or properties or something, commercial properties, like depends on what specific you want. So what we're going to do is we want to look in looking at the company, we're looking at the differentiators. You know, how do we make them stand out against everybody else? Mm -hmm. But we also want to know what's what's your end goal? You want to in some cases you take a Coke. okay? large brands like that are looking for continuous brand exposure, but they're sold through grocery stores. So, you know, convenience stores and what. Um, you know, those types of places. So they want that exposure, but they don't need a lead. You know, they don't need somebody to contact them online saying, Hey, I want to buy a Coke. Yeah. So, um, and 
So in doing that, you know, we want to see what the business actually needs. And then you're going to go from the strategies themselves. You know, we focus on everything digital. I'm not going to do mm -hmm. something like a, I can design you a billboard, but I really don't want to help you with a billboard. Okay. Right. It's just not in our wheelhouse. Um, but what I can tell you is that, you know, like we focus a lot on Google maps and stuff because, you know, it's, it's the user right now. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people, especially with local businesses who we really work with a lot is, you know, you talk um, Google search results and you've got paid ads at the top, you've got maps and then you've got organic. And I'm telling, I keep telling people, if you go after the organic, it's buried, you know, it's by the people are not going that far. There's too much competition and it's, they're not even going there because most users have transitioned to doing a lot of their searches on their phone. Mm -hmm. And if I need something local, I'm not going to the Chrome browser or Firefox or something else. I'm not loading up the browser because I want to find the local restaurant, you know, Mexican joint or something. I'm loading up Google maps. Mm -hmm. So based on how I think they're going to need to find you, is how I'm going to tailor my strategies and such, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's going to be budgets too. So, cause I'm going to have, you know, certain things that are going to come first, you know? So if you need somebody to contact you, make a phone call, I'm going to have to focus on the map stuff. Cause I know you're going to be found locally. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be something that's more, um, you know, if you were more e-commerce, my strategies would vary, you know, they would be totally sure. different. I don't care about the maps and I would probably do some sort of an ad focus strategy, you know, there because you can run ads for specific products. Yeah. So it's really, like I say, it's really going to vary based on the type of business. So, but I need to figure out what's your end intent, you know, mm -hmm. do you want to lead? Do you want impressions? Do you want to sell something online? You know, the one thing I always stay away from is, is if you've got a $10 widget, I'm not your guy to sell it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you want stuff that's, you know, if it, anything e-commerce, you're going to want something that's going to have a, a good payday. Because the other thing is, is that you're looking for is to determine what's right. What do they make on it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're dealing with a roofing company, and I know the roofing company will make $6,000 on the roof, you know, when they sell one, well, that makes my job a lot easier. You sure. don't need high volume. You need high quality mm -hmm. you know, for right. people. So you know, it's what's their ROI. So I'm always looking at that too. And I want to work with companies primarily that are going to get a good return on their investment. Yeah. You and know, because of what they sell, mm -hmm. you know, I say they sell a roofing job or a new garage door or something like that. You know, they'll have a good, you know, good return. And that's really important to, you know, any, for anybody investing in any kind of digital services, first ask yourself, what do you make you know, when you sell something? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. I'm very interested in in um, you're doing work for trucking companies, tr big ones, trying to find drivers. That must be quite a job. We, we're noticing in Canada that trucking companies are really struck. Every transport company you drive past has got a notice outside saying, I need a flatbed driver or an owner driver or a DZ driver. As our, yep. Is it the same where you are? <clears throat> oh, totally. You know, in yep. fact, uh, we deal with truck driving companies and have for a long time, but also trucking schools. And I'll tell you, between the two, I always prefer helping trucking schools. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier to recruit people that are looking to enter the industry than it is yes. to get them to switch companies. Yep. You know, yep. what, I, what I found in the trucking space is everybody has the same offer. Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to differentiate one company from another because they're all saying the same things over and yep. over, you know, and they're all trying to recruit, you know, from the company down the street. You know, so, so their strategy is basically either, you know, is generally just throw more money at them and yeah. sign up bonuses and stuff like that. 
Yeah, in which case they stick the driver sticks around long enough to get the bonus, and then they change companies again. To Goes for the next one. And, yeah. and this is partly a problem that so that uh, younger guys, younger people are not coming into the industry, and we're seeing mm-hmm. a huge surge yeah. of our generation, my generation, certainly retiring and uh, not being replaced. Mm-hmm. Interesting one. I'm going to switch gears yet again and and call on your both your business leadership and your military experience for for what I want to ask you now. And this is what we call our burning question. We ask all our successful guests the same question. So, Cash, um, in, in your experience from your whole background of military and, and civilian life and business leadership, is there one characteristic or, or mindset or even a habit that differentiates a successful leader from those that remain average? Um, you know, like with military and in any kind of a business ownership, you have to have, um, you have to be personally very resilient. Okay. Uh-huh. In both cases, there's a lot of emotional up and downs that you will experience. And so if yeah. you don't, if, if you essentially don't have the stomach for it, because entrepreneurship, you have to have a pretty strong stomach, you know, to be able to tolerate some of the things that go on, you know, people work for other companies and don't become entrepreneurs and stuff because it's a safer thing to do. Sure. Yeah. You know? And so you have to be able to go through that, you know, in the military, you have a lot of people giving you orders and sometimes you don't like them and whatnot. And so you kind of prepare for, you know, all the things that can, that can happen. And, the same thing goes when you're running a business, because I say you can have a great day and you could have, you could, you know, come in, you sign the big client and stuff. And the next day you have a different client that was really big and they leave. And, and so it's a roller coaster. You could have it, you know, like yesterday, I just made a great hire, you know, that I was really trying to find somebody. Um, and so we were able to bring somebody on that I'm really excited about. But next week I could have somebody that's been here for five years leave, you know, yep. but I sure. was, you know, that's been a really, and then I'm scrambling and saying, okay, what do I do now to replace them? You know, sure. so you get a big emotional roller coaster out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just using that example, when your employee who's been there five years leaves, you can't afford to take it personally, right? That's just the way life is. Um, yeah. The, um, in any kind of a leadership position. And I know like you see, you know, in the news and stuff, you know, the big companies, especially lately, they've been doing layoffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the CEO gets clobbered and stuff over it. And why do you do this? You have to learn not to take, you know, certain things personally, because mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion. Yep. Right? Sure. And often it's when they're gone, whether you let them go, they left of their own accord, whatever, you know, it's, yeah, they're going to, that's most likely when that opinion is going to be expressed and you're going to learn what they, you know, whatever they were thinking. And you got to try to separate and be a little bit unemotional about it. You know, I say it's hard. You take it personally. It's very tough to avoid because mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, part of you is saying, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, another part saying, well, I've done a ton right. I'm not going to worry about this. So you have to learn to be able to like, ignore or shrug off you can't do it totally mm-hmm. it's not possible but you've got to be able to quickly recover from it and stuff because sure. it's yeah and understand that every let's like say everybody's going to have their own point of view on something but they're not the thing i always try to remember they're not doing what i'm doing mm-hmm. you know they're not in my position they're not in my shoes and so they're not going to have the whole story they're not going you know and who knows what they would do if they were yeah yep. so yeah you get beat up a a bit, you know, especially the longer you do it, you, know, <laughs> and you have to learn to t- you have to learn to be able to take, you know, 
I say survive the roller coaster. Yeah, you just certainly (laughs) did. So, Kat, we're running low on time, uh, but how do people contact you? I can, you can visit our website, um, titandigital.com. And I can personally be contacted if anybody wanted to reach out at cash at titandigital.com. And certainly anybody wants connected, you know, connect on LinkedIn. You can find me easily enough there. I have like 3000 connections. So I know a lot of people that, you know, but you don't really know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but those would be the ways that, you know, and you could call our office uh, 615-890-3600. Got it. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you for that, Cash. And for our audio listeners, all of that information is in the description on whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on. So you can hop over there and get hold of Cash. And uh, last message from me for our audience, so you don't miss out on more guests like we've had with Cash today, uh, hop onto our website, theyackingshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter. It's very easy to do. We only send you one email a week with news of our current and forthcoming guests. And with that, it's back to Kathleen to close it off. Thank you again so much for being with us today, Cash. That was very informative. And thank you all once again for tuning into our show. If anybody is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. And please, if there are topics you'd like us to cover, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.